just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Well, yesterday was supposed to be kind of an interesting day, but it didn't turn out that way. We had heard that Fonnie Willis, the DA of Fulton County in Georgia, was going to announce as to whether she was going to uh, issue indictments regarding Donald Trump's effort to overturn the election in Georgia during the 2020 election. There's the audio tape, of course, of him trying to coerce Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Now, she said she would announce it around June 30th. That did not happen. We haven't heard anything from Fonnie Willis as yet. The one thing I will mention, though, that there was some kind of appeal or court case going on that just ended a couple of days ago, and it was regarding whether she could subpoena and question two other people in this grand jury. Well, the court case just ended a few days ago, and she got to go ahead to do that. She won the case, so I'm wondering if she's waiting to depose those two people, whoever they were, and then decide whether she's going to indict. I'm not sure. The bottom line is she didn't indict anybody yesterday, but uh, I still think there's a huge, strong case there. I mean, Jesus, we've got his crime on audio tape. What more do you possibly need? We'll keep a close eye on it and let you know what happens when we find out what, in fact, happens. And then, of course, there's Jenny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife. She's been asked to appear in front of the January 6th committee. She and her lawyer have declined that offer. Now, Thomas's lawyer, Mark Paoletta, sent an eight-page letter arguing Uh, that the committee has not provided any evidence that warrants testimony from Ginny Thomas and expresses concerns about the fairness of said proceedings. (laughs) Oh, I have no idea why they want to talk to me. I mean, what could it be? (laughs) The committee says it has obtained emails between Thomas and lawyer John Eastman. You know, the guy that just had his, uh, his phone confiscated. And text between her and Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows, who may be the one guy that gets the most crimes against him when it's all said and done. This guy was standing next to Donald Trump. He was passing along information to Donald Trump or not passing along information. Cassidy Hutchinson basically said he didn't do anything. He ignored everything. He was kind of, well, you know, Donald Trump wants to do this, so we'll just fucking do it. So Jenny Thomas says that they don't understand why they'd want to talk to her, even though she has close contact with the Proud Boys. We know from the text that she paid for buses to bring the Trumplefucks up to Washington, D.C. We know she was going into regular meetings in the White House. We know that she was texting with Mark Meadows and John Eastman, two people who are clearly guilty of some things 
during the insurrection. Yet, Jenny Thomas says, I don't know why you'd want to talk to me. Now, here's the interesting thing you need to remember. You remember when they first said they wanted to talk to Jenny Thomas? Remember what that was? And Jenny Thomas said, oh, I'm anxious to talk to them, to clear up some of the misconceptions. And she looked forward to speaking with the committee. Well, what changed? Now she doesn't want to talk to the committee. I have a feeling her lawyer had something to say about that. But with all this evidence coming out, she's looking more and more culpable. She looks to be complicit in this entire insurrection. She may have been one of the ringleaders in terms of pulling this uh, insurrection off. Now, Jenny has some problems here. She can say she doesn't want to come. They can subpoena her. And if she doesn't comply with the subpoena, of course, they can refer her to the DOJ. And the DOJ can find her guilty, put her in jail for a year, fine her $100,000 and the like. Now, Jenny Thomas may be in the same boat as Mark Meadows is in. You know, Mark Meadows didn't get indicted for not complying with the subpoena. And I personally think it's because there's far bigger crimes that he's going to be indicted for. And to be perfectly honest, Jenny Thomas is probably in the same boat. She was as much in the thick of things with the insurrection as Mark Meadows and Donald Trump was. She is probably one of the top three most guilty people when it comes to the insurrection. So what I suspect they'll do is send her a subpoena, and she'll argue that she's got executive privilege, but she never worked for the administration. She never worked for Donald Trump. It's a bunch of bullshit, but that doesn't mean they won't try to use that as an excuse or at least a delay tactic. (laughs) It is fucking amazing. This woman has been afforded so much cachet with the President of the United States, it's unbelievable. And the only reason she has this cachet is because, of course, she's married to Clarence Thomas, a Supreme Court Justice, who, by the way, should not be a Supreme Court Justice. He's proven that he's criminal and corrupt and partisan. He is the exact opposite of what you would expect on the Supreme Court. Whether they'll ever be able to get him out of there, not sure, but something has to be done. And if it means taking Jenny Thomas in, indicting her, prosecuting her, and send her to jail, well, then maybe Clarence Thomas will think again before he does the fucking stupid stuff he does. Personally, I think we should just cut to the chase. Send Jenny Thomas an indictment, haul her out of her palatial home or wherever the fuck she is, and take her down to booking and put her in jail for a bit. And then put her on trial and put her in jail for a permanent period of time. Now, some people might think Clarence Thomas would be mad about that. (laughs) I don't know, man. If you were married to uh, Jenny Thomas, it'd be kind of nice to have a break. Get that crazy bitch out of the house. We'll see what Clarence Thomas does. You know who Jenny Thomas reminds me of? I just watched a documentary tonight, and it was regarding the era of Watergate. And it was about Margaret Mitchell. If you don't know who Margaret Mitchell was, she was married to John Mitchell, who was the attorney general and uh, the chair of the Richard Nixon re-election campaign. Um, 
John Mitchell was part of Watergate. He ended up in jail. And a lot of people think the reason why uh, Watergate came into being is because of of uh, Martha Mitchell. Now, what I will say about Martha Mitchell over Ginny Thomas, Martha Mitchell didn't do anything illegal. She was actually a hero in that scenario because she likes to talk and she likes to tell the truth. And she put out there what was going on with Watergate and everybody says she's crazy. They tried to have her committed. But when it was all said and done, we found out that Martha was right. It was all true. So she gets a lot of credit for all the people that were taken down in Watergate. Now, Jenny Thomas is similar in the sense she's a yapper. She is a yapper, but she is evil and she is a villain. So she's the uh, diametric opposite of uh, Margaret Mitchell. But it, it, it's an interesting thing. If you ever get to watch the documentary about Margaret Mitchell, it's very, very interesting. She's a little flighty, she's a little goofy, but she's not stupid and she's not crazy. And she's part of the reason why the Watergate hearing the way it went the way it was. Oh, those Republicans were having shit fits when Martha started to talk. There, there, there was an old reporter from AP, I think, or UPI, or whatever it was. Her name was Helen Thomas. If you're old enough to remember, every time you saw a uh, press conference with the president, there was this old lady sitting in the front row. She looked like somebody's grandma, but she was a well-respected reporter, Helen Thomas. And she would always get a chance to answer the question because she was probably uh, the longest standing member of the press that could coming to the uh, presidential here uh, presidential uh, press conferences. Well, anyway, Margaret Mitchell and uh, <clears throat> Helen Thomas were good buddies, and they talked all the time. And of course, Helen Thomas released a lot of information that Margaret Mitchell gave her, and that was fine because that's exactly what Margaret Mitchell wanted to do. So in real terms, she's the one that brought down the Watergate shit, and Ginny Thomas is similar in that she's loud and yapping all the time, but she's the evil one, and uh, she's, uh, she's Margaret Mitchell's evil twin, if you will, her daughter. Uh, not really, but, you know, they're similar in many ways. And uh, she's trying to take things down. And Jenny Thomas is not going to fare well because of that whole situation. I certainly hope that they will get to her. They will indict her and prosecute her. And then you will see Clarence Thomas shitting his pants. Now, one of the things that Liz Cheney brought up in the Cassidy Hutchinson hearing, it was just at the end, and some people may have missed it, but it was pretty ominous. She read a number of emails written by somebody, who knows who it was, but was sending notes to possible witnesses for the January 6th committee. Basically saying, you know, our friend listens to what you say. He reads transcripts. It's important you stay in line with our group and protect the people you're supposed to protect. You know, I'd hate to see what happens if you don't. Well, they call this witness tampering, but as I've said before, that's too benign for this situation. This is what Donald Trump does. Donald Trump threatens to keep people in line. You'll remember 
I've talked about this um, lawsuit where Donald Trump was a defendant, a co-defendant with Jeffrey Epstein, and it was about raping a 13-year-old woman. Well, she's grown now, but she decided to sue them, or sue Donald Trump anyway, because Jeff's dead. But she started the lawsuit probably in and around the time of the 2016 election, maybe before, and then it all of a sudden went away. And then later on, after he became president, it cropped up again. And then it went away. Now, the Republicans would have you believe that she just thought better of it and decided to be honest and not go up against Donald Trump. I'm more likely to believe that what happened in some of these emails with Cassidy Hutchinson probably happened with this girl. There were probably some threats, probably uh, some very frightening stuff. And this woman had to decide, do I continue with this? Or, or do I uh, just step aside and forget about it because of the danger I might be in? Now, based on what we know about Donald Trump, I would suspect there is some coercing going on in that situation. And I'm hoping that after everything falls apart for Donald Trump, that lawsuit comes back up because he should be accountable for that action. He was a co-defendant with Jeffrey Epstein, and it, in regards to a young girl, 13 years old, that was raped by both of them. And if you read the story, it's pretty horrific. All right, I went off track there a little bit, but I was talking about these emails that Liz Cheney read at the end of the Cassidy Hutchinson hearing. And there's some likelihood that Cassidy Hutchinson was probably one of the people that received one or all of those emails. The targeting of January 6th star witness Cassidy Hutchinson by a mysterious Internet account behind the QAnon conspiracy theory could pose a threat for her safety, a former deputy director of the FBI told Anderson Cooper on CNN. Well, another person lining up against Cassidy Hutchinson is the online poster Q, whose completely absurd post, which would be laughable, laughably cryptic, are actually never accurate, are at the heart of the movement. For whatever reason, Q was hot and heavy early on, then they went away, and now Q's coming back. Now, this gentleman said something very important. Q made all kinds of predictions. Everybody was whipped up behind it and believed everything Q said. But the fact of the matter is, none of them, none of the things Q said came true. It's weird because when I was on Facebook, probably around 2015, 2016, before Donald Trump was, I was going to say, arrested. But in fact, he was elected. Um, I was on Facebook and I was doing things about Donald Trump and that sort of stuff. And I got these people, these couple came on and they were doing all these Q things. But at the time, I didn't know what Q was. So I just thought it was some weirdo on the Internet. And they were saying, where, what, where we go, one, go all or whatever the fuck it is. And, and I kept saying, what, what, what the fuck does that mean? Well, of course, now I know what it means. And I did the smart thing with these clowns. I blocked them early on, never heard from them again. But this, 
this is coming back. It's really stupid to even show the post of this Q person, but they contained numerous cryptic questions and ended with asking, who is Cassidy Hutchinson? And trust the plan, that's what they love to say, which is a common Q catchphrase. The Q stuff would be funny if it didn't have real-world consequences. The FBI says it's arrested more than 20 people involved in capital riots who said they follow QAnon. They, they, they think this fucking thing is real. And what it is, it's a dad and a son. The dad is a convicted pedophile. The son is a fucking goofball. And they've got these people hoodwinked to believe everything they say. Now, the FBI agent, or Anderson Cooper, replayed an interview with a former member of the cult who thought he himself was worshiping Satan. He thought Anderson Cooper was worshiping Satan, drinking the blood of children, after the anchor mentioned Q. Andrew, what is the significance of Q mentioning Hutchinson, and what could be do you think the real-world consequences, Cooper asked. Andrew McCabe, formerly of the FBI, said, there is no significance to the post beyond the fact that he included her name specifically. It's not because he said anything logical or factual. It's just the existence of her name in that post that turns her into a target for people who ascribe to these beliefs. He said the fact her name was listed is very, very damaging to her in terms of the attention it will bring, who believe in, who knows which of QAnon's conspiracies. And so if you toss this young woman's name into the conversation, into the froth, you run the risk that someone who is following these things, who's projecting their own rage and their dissatisfaction about whatever it is in life they're mad about, is going to attach her to that one, and one of those people, maybe more than one, might decide to take matter in their own hands and resort to an act of violence in the same exact way that that young man from North Carolina did about the nonsense around Comet Ping Pong Pizza, the pizza restaurant here in uh, Washington, D.C., where he had been digesting this material, got in his car, drove to D.C. on Sunday with an AR-15 intending to shoot the place up. You'll remember that. You know, this QAnon was talking about this pizza place, that, and they said that in the basement there's this pedophile ring, and it's horrific, and they're drinking children's blood. And, and of course, that got people whipped up, and they went off to, uh, this one young man went off with the intention of shooting up this pizza place. And, of course, there's nothing in the basement. There's nothing to these conspiracy theories. These are all just made up. I'm thinking these two clowns walked into Comet Pizza, got a shitty pizza one day, and said, we're going to fuck these people up, and that's what they did. And as was stated earlier, we know that uh, we know that uh, uh, there were quite a number of QAnon followers in the insurrection. Again, these people get whipped up. They believe what they believe. They're in a cult, so they react to these sorts of things. So by simply saying um, Cassidy Hutchinson's name, it puts her on dan- in danger. <clears throat> This is some weird shit. 
This is some things we should not even be dealing with in this country. I mean, it's infantile, it's childish, and yet there are a number of people who believe it and act out based on what they hear. So when I heard about those emails at the end of the hearing that Liz Cheney read, I think she did it to give us a sense of what a woman like Cassidy Hutchinson is going through. We know she's been targeted. We know that she's probably gotten some of these emails. And we know she's probably scared. But still, still she stepped up and spoke up. And yet her boss... Mark Meadows is too afraid. He's not afraid of Q. He's afraid of Donald Trump. And this is why what we really need to do is take Donald Trump out of the equation. We need to get one of these indictments to come through just to neutralize him and take him out of the equation. Once that happens, things will fall apart for this whole effort with QAnon and with the fake uh, the fake elections and the big lie and all of that shit. We're on the verge of that falling apart with all this new evidence coming out. And once Donald Trump is out of the equation, things will get much easier. Now, on Thursday, the New York Times reported that more than a dozen of former President Donald Trump's allies are being offered a free ride on legal fees by a key political action committee associated with the former president as the January 6th committee's investigation continues to probe the events of the Capitol attack. Now, the arrangement drew new scrutiny this week after Cassidy Hutchinson, a former aide in his White House, made an explosive appearance before the House panel, providing damning new details about Mr. Trump's actions and statements on the day of the deadly riot. Now, this is reported by Luke Broadwater, Maggie Haberman, Annie Carney, Alan Fuhr. She did so after firing a lawyer who had been recommended to her by Mr. Trump's former aides and paid for by his political action committee. So, in fact, Cassidy Hutchinson did take this free legal help at first. But then she fired them because apparently she was going to come out and be honest and hired her own lawyer. Under the representation of the new lawyer, Jody Hunt, Ms. Hutchinson sat for a fourth interview with the committee in which she divulged more revelations and agreed to come forward publicly to testify to them. You see, what they want to do is they want you to um, take their lawyers. And what the lawyers that can then do is keep you on message, stop you from saying the things they don't want you to say. <laughs> It reminds me of a story. It doesn't have anything to do with politics, but it's the same same theory. I, uh, I worked in the music business, as you know. I may have even told this story. And I was with this young black artist. I was representing him, and I was going into a pretty high-level record company talking to a very high-level record executive. We sat down where we were going to talk about the prospect of getting some kind of deal for my artist. And before we started, I said, do you mind if I use the bathroom? <laughs> and he said, no, go ahead. So by the time I go to the bathroom and come back, 
I have my artist standing up screaming at this guy. I go, what, what, what the fuck is going on here? And the artist looked at me and he said, you know what this guy wants me to do? He wants me to fire you and get one of the agents that he's going to recommend. Well, of course, the reason they want to do that is because I'm a wild card. They can't control me. They don't know what I'm going to do. But if they fire somebody they or hire somebody they know for this kid, then they can manipulate the whole deal and screw this kid over. And my artist was kind of upset. It's the same kind of situation with these lawyers. They get you a lawyer. They pay for it. And now you're, uh, now you are, are obligated to them. You're going to follow what the lawyer says, and the lawyer's going to tell you what to say that's going to keep the real people paying for these legal fees, keeping them safe. She was smart enough to say, fuck it, I'm firing you. I'm going to get my own legal representation. And, of course, we saw what we saw during the hearing. Now, according to the report, it is unclear whether firing the Trump-recommended counsel cleared the way for Hutchinson to testify, although some members of the committee are suspicious that that is what happened. Now, according to financial disclosures in May alone, Mr. Trump's Save America Political Action Committee paid about $200,000 to law firms, uh, that including $75,000 to J.P. Raleigh Law, which represents Cleta Mitchell, a pro-Trump lawyer who has filed suit to try to block the committee's subpoena, and a $50,000 fee to Silverman, Thompson, Slutkin, and White, which has represented, represented Stephen K. Bannon, who may be sentenced here coming up uh, this month. Now, it's not immediately clear whether those payments were for covering legal fees connected to the January 6th inquiry, but people familiar with the matter said the PAC has paid for the representation of several former officials and aides in the investigation, including some high-profile ones like Stephen Miller, who was a senior advisor to Trump. Hutchinson gave bombshell testimony in a surprise interview earlier in the week, including that Trump knew the rioters were armed and demanded they be allowed to march to the Capitol anyways because they were not going to hurt him, and that the former president got into a physical altercation with a Secret Service agent after being told he couldn't visit the scene of the riot. Another Trump official, Tony Ornato, has denied this sequence of events, although other officials have accused him of a track record of being dishonest. This Tony Ornato was also the the person directing the Secret Service, and that's a whole weird deal. Uh, but you remember when Donald Trump went out to take that photo op and uh, there were riots and whatever, or, or protest anyway. It was a protest, not a riot. And... Uh, the police and the Secret Service went out and cleared these people out using all kinds of aggressive actions so Donald Trump could just t- get a photo op. Well, Tony Ornato was asked about that, and he says, oh, it wasn't about a photo op. Well, of fucking course it was. So he's running around telling people that that altercation never happened, but let's be perfectly honest. Tony Ornato is not somebody um, you can trust. 
Now, a reporter who has written a book on the Secret Service shredded the credibility of a former agent who has pushed back against Cassidy Hutchinson. This is the story we're getting to with Tony Orinato. And I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break first, and then we're going to get to that story. So stick with me here. We'll be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. All right, let's go a little deeper on this Tony Ornato character. Now, Tony Ornato was a Secret Service agent. His duty or his charge was one of the people protecting Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump apparently took a liking to this guy. This guy was probably smart enough to pat Donnie on the head and tell him what a great guy is. So what he did with this guy is he kept them on the payroll with the Secret Service, but he gave him a political job, a deputy chief of staff. And his office was very close to... Um, to uh, Cassidy Hutchinson's office, right in between Mark Meadows and the Oval Office. So this guy was quite a Trump humper. He still is a Trump humper and apparently still in touch with Donald Trump. And so he was very protective of Donald Trump, not in the physical sense necessarily, but overall protective. Like I said, when they had that instance when Donald Trump went out to get this photo op during uh, the protests and they did these horrible things to these protesters he's the one that denied that it was a photo op well we know it was a fucking photo op and now he's the one that's saying that that altercation with donald trump and the secret service agents never happened well this guy can't believe be believed he's he's a fucking trump humper now a reporter has written a book on the secret service shredded the credibility of the former agent who pushed back against Cassidy Hutchinson's bombshell testimony, like I just told you. Now, the former White House aide testified that Tony Ornato, now this is a White House aide, this isn't just some guy, Tony Ornato, who moved from the Secret Service to the Deputy Chief of Staff, told her that Donald Trump became irate when his security detail would not take him to the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. We talked about that. And then he lunged for the steering wheel of this armored SUV and physically att 
attacked his lead agent. And Washington Post reporter Carol Leonig poured cold water on his denials. And this is what she said. This is the person who worked as President Trump's security detail leader, and the boss liked him so much he installed him in a political White House job, Leonig told MSNBC's Morning Joe. That broke every Secret Service tradition in the book because he stayed as a Secret Service employee. But Trump essentially had him directing the Secret Service to make sure that all of his campaign events, all of his photo ops, everything that he wanted to do to get reelected, went off without a hitch. And, this, you know, this is pretty standard for Donald Trump. He gets somebody under his wing. He gets somebody beholden to him so that they will do whatever he asks. It's all about control. And that's what was happening with this guy. Now, that included paid rallies that caused COVID surges and included the forcible clearing of peaceful protesters from Lafayette Square, Leonid continued. Tony was the secret hand behind all of that, and that is what Trump wanted. Trump White House uh, staffers and Secret Service agents have told me repeatedly he's a Trump acolyte. He will defend the president to the end, and he remains in contact with Trump world to this day. So I want to stress that also Tony Ornato has indicated that this story Cassidy Hutchinson told didn't happen. Well, Tony Ornato said a lot of things that didn't happen. He tried to say to the press and to me directly that the clearing of Lafayette Square was not done for President Trump's photo op. That's not true. He said at the center of that, so I, I, I take the points because he because they're saying in their experience things that we reported. Tony tried to deny. Now that's coming from uh, Leonig. The Secret Service often tries to deny things that are unflattering. And then when the rubber hits the road, we learn there is a little bit more to it, Leonig added. I want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And if Tony Ornato testified under oath that he exaggerated this story and it didn't happen in the limo, forgive me. In the suburban, uh, it did happen. And if he can say under oath it didn't happen, well, then you have to... uh, Take him at his word at that point. Here's the thing. We've got all these things said by Cassidy Hutchinson. Okay? Now, the key to what she said was all under oath. All these people that are naysayers and trying to discredit her, they're all saying it not under oath. They're just spewing bullshit just as Republicans typically do. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. And let's be perfectly honest. Let's say that one story that she heard secondhand, the only thing she talked about that she heard secondhand, everything else she heard firsthand, saw firsthand. Even if that one thing is wrong, it doesn't matter. It's not really even the most important thing in this whole testimony. It's just one little story, and the Republicans will try to grab onto it, make it sound fake, to discount the whole testimony. Well, they can't, because the other parts of the testimony are far more important than this one little issue. But I think it's clear that Tony Ornato is lying, and let's get him on the stand and get him under oath and see what he says this time. Now, people are saying, why don't they just uh, have the Secret Service testify? Well, they did. 
They did before all of this. They have their testimony. And I have to believe that uh, Liz Cheney wouldn't have allowed her to go in this direction if they didn't already have some corroborate corroboration for this claim. So when you hear Republicans tell you, oh, it's all fake, it's all hearsay, <laughs> the Secret Service is going to debunk it, understand that it's all bullshit. It's absolutely all bullshit. The good news is that uh, their bullshit is not getting the kind of traction it once did. Now, former President Donald Trump joined Newsmax for an interview that aired on Thursday morning in which he spewed out a laundry list of bizarre accusations against Cassidy Hutchinson uh, after her testimony regarding the uh, January 6th insurrection. And what she said was absolutely devastating to Trump. A visibly agitated Trump complained about Hutchinson's recounting of his behavior during the insurrection. This is what he said. He said, some whack job can just stay th- say this stuff and get away with it and other things. That I wanted guns at my rally? Okay, now I'm speaking. Why would I want guns? I don't want people having standing with guns in my rally, he said on Wake Up America. Hutchinson recalled that Trump believed that his armed supporters were not there to hurt him. Now, everything that Cassidy Hutchinson says... You can see Donald Trump saying, based on our experiences and the things he said in the past, none of this is surprising. Trump maintained that this woman, she wanted to work for me after January 6th. She was a big Trump fan. She wanted to work for me in Florida, and we chose not to bring her down because I got very bad things that I heard about her. He wouldn't say what they are. And I got to wonder... Let's be honest, this young woman is 25, 26 years old. She's pretty innocent in this whole thing. And I was just trying to imagine having a daughter that's 25 years old, gets a big job at the White House. Everybody's proud. Everybody's excited. She's got these um, idyllic ideas of what she's going to do to help the country. And then she finds out she's in the middle of a shit show. She really didn't have much choice, even though she's getting threatened by these people. She's a young woman. As long as she stays next to Donald Trump and supports Donald Trump, her life is going to be destroyed because all the people that stick with him are going to be a pariah after this is all said and done. Now, if we're talking about Jim Jordan or Kevin McCarthy or Paul Gosar, these are old white men. They've got their money. doesn't matter. This young girl wasn't getting paid much money. And she would have a hard time getting another job if the only thing she's known for is siding with Donald Trump. So she did the right thing. She spoke up. She took a risk. But now she comes off as a hero. That was a smart thing. She's being well advised. And uh, we should be thankful that she stood up and said what she said. Because we know from the past six years, there are very few people that stand up and speak out against Donald Trump because of the fear of Donald Trump. Next, of course, uh, Trump repeated what he said on Tuesday and what he always says in these circumstances. I hardly knew her. Even though his and Hutchinson's West Wing offices were only a few yards apart, like I said, you had the Oval Office and you had Mark Meadows' office and you had Cassidy Hutchinson and 
Tony Ornato's office right in between, and it's not that big of area. Uh, like like they said, it's 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 only a few yards away. Um, and then he said, "Well, if she's no good, I got somebody called up uh, numerous people that she's not good." He talks like a child. He can't form a full sentence. All he's doing is coming out of his ass with whatever comes in his mind and spewing it out, and that's exactly what it sounds like. He goes on and he says, and then I see her. And again, I hardly know who she is. And then I see this woman getting up and she's making up stories like one after another. But the craziest of all was that I tried to commandeer, they use that word, I tried to commandeer a car with the Secret Service agents telling them to take us down to the Capitol, Trump said. It was totally false. And that person can get away with it. And then I watch the Times and the Washington Post. I get reviews on MSNBC and CNN. They're hardly even talking about the fact that she's totally discredited. This is untrue, given that so far nobody has refuted Hutchinson's damning statements under oath. I mentioned this earlier in the show, and I'll mention it again. This is what they do. She's not discredited, but they say she is, hoping that catches on the narrative and everybody just hears that. That's not happening anymore, thankfully. They're losing their credibility with a lot of people, and nobody's listening to that shit. But it is identical to what happened with the Mueller report. I told you that before. They come out and say, well, he's totally totally exonerated because he didn't get indicted, even though we know he broke a number of laws, according to the Mueller report. The only reason he didn't get indicted was because he was the president and he was protected. But instead of saying that, they say, oh, he's totally exonerated. It's the Russian hoax. This is what they do. They're trying to gaslight people. And it works on some stupid people, but it doesn't work on you and me. And it's getting pitiful and embarrassing at this point. Donald Trump took his truth social alternative to Twitter to complain about the investigation being conducted by the House Select Committee. Um, Trump's post posted his thoughts after the Select Committee issued a subpoena to Trump White House counsel Pat Cipollone. Now, this one has Donald Trump very fucking nervous. And I'll tell you an interesting comparison. Pat Cipollone is the White House counsel. He is not Donald Trump's lawyer. He is a lawyer for the office of the presidency and kind of a constitutional cop. You know, he keeps them in line, tries to keep them within the Constitution. Well, obviously, he fucked up there because that was a total shit show in the Trump administration. But Donald Trump does not want the January 6th committee to depose Pat Cipollone. Now, as I said, he is the White House counsel, was the White House counsel for Donald Trump. Here's the interesting thing. You remember John Dean in the Watergate hearing, that young lawyer who took down Donald Trump, who was largely responsible for this to go south for uh, Richard Nixon? Remember that guy? Well, he held the same position that Cipollone now or held then. 
So if John Dean can take down Richard Nixon, it's not surprising or not crazy to think that Pat Cipollone might be able to do the same thing. Now, as far as I know, he's a respected lawyer. He was making a lot of money as a lawyer before he took this job. And you got to think by now, he's got to own up to what happened and be honest and straightforward. Some people said, well, he's not going to talk. Well, he's in negotiations with the January 6th committee to actually testify. There's some things he doesn't want to do. Now, I don't know if it's going to be recorded or if it's going to be behind closed doors and recorded or it's going to be live. My guess is he will not want it live, but uh, you never know. The January 6th committee may, may force him to do that. Now, he's going to claim executive privilege in the last podcast with Ed and I. Ed pointed out something that's very interesting. He said that any conversation that Pat Cipollone is in with Donald Trump, that might be privileged. Okay? But any conversation that Pat Cipollone was in with Donald Trump and somebody else like Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, Steve Bannon, whoever it is, then it's not privileged. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not as worried about the conversation Cipollone had with Donald Trump. I'm more interested to hear how the conversations went with Mark Meadows, because Mark Meadows was essentially speaking for Donald Trump at that point. The Select Committee's investigation has revealed evidence that Mr. Cipollone repeatedly raised legal and other concerns about President Trump's activities on January 6th and in the days that preceded. Chairman Benny Thompson said in announcing the subpoena for him. There's a subpoena out for Pat Cipollone. They are negotiating currently to figure out a way that he can testify. And we'll keep a close ear out for that and let you know when we know what exactly is going to happen. But they want him to do it by next Wednesday. So it's not going to hang out there for a long time. The inquiry inquiry includes examination of former President Trump's awareness of and involvement in activities undertaken to subvert the outcome of the 2020 election, including the submission of fake electoral ballots to Congress and the executive branch and the attempted appointment of Jeffrey Clark as acting attorney general and efforts to interfere with the congressional certification of the electoral results on January 6th. The select committee wrote in its subpoena letter, Our investigation has revealed credible evidence that you have information concerning these and other issues with the scope of the select committee's inquiry. The former president wrote, Unselect committee is asking to interview the former White House counsel for dirt, even though that would set a terrible precedent for future presidents. No! (laughs) But as I just told you in the Watergate hearings, John Dean, who was also the White House counsel, did testify and took down Richard Nixon. So this isn't unprecedented, and it doesn't take down the country if this person testifies. So once again, Donald Trump could stand to read a little history. Trump also denied he tried to commandeer controlling uh, the White House limo. Now we're seeing some videos that might indicate that he did, in fact, do that. Uh, it's, it's kind of a sketchy video. I don't know that I'd get too excited about it, but... but uh, 
When Pat Cipollone steps into the chair and starts answering questions, it could get quite interesting. Now, Cipollone might be complicit in some of these crimes, too, so he may be pleading the fifth on some things. Now, here's something interesting. We talked about this a little bit with uh, Ed in the previous podcast. President Joe Biden said he would support an exception to the Senate filibuster rules to codify abortion rights in the wake of the Supreme Court decision repealing the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade into law, and the way to do that is to make sure Congress votes to do that. Biden said that in Madrid after attending the NATO summit. A lot of people are kicking about that. They, uh, they say that Joe Biden shouldn't be airing our dirty laundry in another country in front of other uh, leaders. And to be perfectly honest with you, that's probably true. But it's done, so what the hell. Goes on, and if the filibuster gets in the way... It's like voting rights. We should be requiring an exception to the filibuster for this action to deal with the Supreme Court decision, the president said. When asked specifically if the president would support changing the filibuster rules to codify abortion rights, he responded, right to privacy, not just abortion rights, but yes, abortion rights. Biden said he's meeting with a group of governors on Friday to discuss more solutions. He added that he's going to do everything in his power that he can legally can do in terms of executive orders, as well as push for Congress and the public. Now, this is interesting because, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, and much to my chagrin, Joe Biden has been against carving out or getting rid of the filibuster. But he's getting a lot of heat about this abortion thing. He knows there's going to be a lot of problems. And if he can get this done, this is going to help him in the midterms and, and, and beyond. So now, apparently, Biden is motivated to get this done. We'll see if he does. He's still got to convince Manchin and Cinema. I mean, he can get their votes on shutting down this overturning of Roe v. Wade, but can he get their votes, their required votes, to carve out the filibuster? We know during the Build Back Better bill and some other things that they were unwilling to do that. Time for, uh, time for Joe Biden to get something done. He is the president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world. You need to grab Manchin by the ear and say, you're going to fucking do this or your life is going to be miserable. You will never, ever get a bill passed again. Congress will shut you down every fucking time. There has to be something done with that. Now, earlier this week, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi called to eliminate the filibuster in the Senate in order to codify Roe v. Wade and... uh, pushed the House to take up another vote on Women's Health Protection Act to enshrine Roe v. Wade into law of the land. The WHPA already passed in the House last year, but failed in the Senate twice, once before the Supreme Court draft leaked and once after. And each time, it was because of the filibuster. Now, 
Biden's comments on Thursday represent an escalation of the president's rhetoric, but likely won't have any practical effect since Democrats lack support of all of their members for a rule change, which would require a simple majority vote. Uh, During a debate over voting rights legislation earlier this year, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer sought to change filibuster rules to allow passage of voting rights legislation. But the two conservative Democrats, I mentioned them before, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin, joined with all 50 Republicans to thwart the attempt. Biden supported the voting rights exception to the filibuster. He's against getting rid of the filibuster altogether, but he did support it then. And once again, Manchin and Cinema fucked Joe Biden over. When is Joe going to get pissed and do something to get this done? Now, in floor speeches, Manchin and Cinema echoed Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who said changing the rules would break the Senate, even though he and former Majority Leader Harry Reid had previously lowered the vote threshold for approving judicial nominees and any other kinds of things. Eliminating the 60-vote threshold on a party line with the thinnest of possible majorities to pass these bills that I support will not guarantee that we prevent demagogues from winning office, Cinema said. Rather, eliminating the 60-vote threshold will simply guarantee that we lose a critical tool that we need to safeguard our democracy from the threats in the years to come. Let's talk about the filibuster a minute. Here's what the filibuster is. It allows the minority to block something. So that means nothing gets done. The Democrats want to get rid of the filibuster now so they can pass some things. But they're also afraid of getting rid of the filibuster because if the Republicans regain power in the House and the Senate, then the Democrats can't shut down whatever crazy shit that they want to bring up. So they're thinking about what I want now, but they're also thinking about the future in case somebody else gets in power, and now they're fucked. Here's what I suggest. We are a democracy. Majority rules. In a situation where you have 100 people, 51 is the majority. Call it a supermajority. Call it a simple majority. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a majority, and that's how democracy works. So, yes, if you get rid of the filibuster, you'll get what you want as a Democrat, but you might get hosed by the Republicans when they get power. But so be it. That's the way our system works. Who's in power wins, and you're stuck with it. Now, if you're really worried about it, just don't let them fucking win in the election. Do what you need to do to win the election and maintain power. There comes a point where... You've got to just suck it up and do it. The filibuster may hurt you when the Republicans are voting something, but the filibuster is killing you now to do good for the people of this country. That should be enough incentive for you to say, fuck it. We're going to throw caution to the wind. We're getting rid of the filibuster. I wanted to talk about uh, Lauren Boebert for a minute. This fucking idiot. Representative Lauren Boebert, recent comments calling the separation of church and state junk (laughs) have drawn both criticism and worry that the influence of the conservative Christians, both in public office and the Supreme Court, could upend constitutional precedent. That's what she said. She says, I'm getting tired of this 
separation of church and state junk. (laughs) But you always tell us about the Constitution. Apparently, you don't read the Constitution because it says it in the Constitution. The High Court's recent decisions, such as overturning Roe v. Wade uh, in favor of school prayer, they're prompting critics like Adam Kinzinger um, to dub the movement Christian Taliban. Religious conservatism has long had a presence presence on the right, but some fear that Christian nationalism is rising. Right-wing Christians were a core part of the electoral continuance that helped former President Trump um, win the White House in 2016. How in the hell is Lauren Boebert, the Republican candidate for her office in November? She had to go through a primary. She won that primary. Now she's the Republican candidate to go against the Democrat in Colorado. And frankly, I think that's good. She is damaged goods, and the Democrats have a better chance of beating her. But here's a woman that said some of the craziest shit, been part of an insurrection. She's been outed as a prostitute and also having two abortions. Still, these clowns in Colorado vote her as the candidate for the Republican Party. It's fucking crazy. I've never seen this kind of fandom by so many in church leadership who are going to these lengths to defend such a shrewd, such a shrewd and flawed man, Kinzinger said in a statement to The Hill in an apparent reference to Trump, of course. Boebert, a fervent supporter of the former president, drew backlash after the speech she gave in Colorado Church over the weekend where she insisted separation of church and state means nothing. Oh, what a dumb fuck. The reason we had so many overreaching regulations in our nation is because the church complied. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That's what she said. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. No, neither is true. We talked about the separation of church and state. Neither one should be affecting the other. The idea that the church should control the, uh, the government is absolutely outrageous and absolutely fucking scary. I can't believe that she's even spewing this out of her mouth. She's so stupid that she doesn't know any better. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your life to sit down and listen to me. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.